This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Our universe is filled with secrets and mysteries, leaving us with many questions to be answered. Now, more than ever, we find ourselves searching for those answers as the very fabric of space, science, and society are converging. Here, for the first time, these worlds collide as we give you the knowledge that breaks the barrier between what is science and what is merely pop culture. This, this, this is Star Talk. Now, here's your hosts, astrophysicist Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson and comedian Lynn Coplitz. Star Talk. Welcome back to Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, astrophysicist, with my co-host, comedian, actress, Lynn Coplitz. Lynn! Hi! Welcome back. We missed you last week. I missed you guys. I was in Pittsburgh. I had to make a, find a co-host. I don't know if that was even possible, but we found one of my colleagues. I heard he was very, very funny. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's from Kentucky. He's a Kentucky astrophysicist. Oh, I love Kentucky. <laughs> Another astrophysicist. <laughs> We're out there. You, you can't escape us. you just got him falling us. out of your bum. <laughs> You cannot escape us. We are everywhere. <laughs> You're listening to Star Talk. Our toll free number is 1 877 5 Star Talk. We'll be with you for the next hour. Lynn, today's subject is really just about science and trying to get people excited about it because that's something that hasn't been the case all along. Well, Neil, I mean, I'm warming up to science, I have to tell you, now that, I, now that I'm working with you mm-hmm. and you're making it much more approachable for me. But you're not the warmest group of people, scientists. <laughs> well, what we try to do is at least try to find sort of benchmarks of occasions to remind people of the value of science. Right now is like the 40th anniversary of the Hubble landing, and science does make the news. And so, but I, 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 I agree we're not always warm, but 
Every- no, not only not warm, you're also kind of boring sometimes. I mean, I, honestly, there are two kinds. Remember science teachers when you were in school? There were two kinds of science teachers. There were there was you, the science teacher that was exciting, and, and you have, were making volcanoes and okay. doing all sorts of cool <laughs> right. stuff. And you know, and then there was the Bueller, Bueller, that kind of science teacher. Oh, I remember him just, from Ferris Bueller's Bueller. Yeah, but there was that. Bueller. That was like the science teacher, like the guy who stood and, and did the Pythagorean theorem for an hour, and you were like, "Who is this?" So what you're saying is science. You're realizing that scientists might that science itself might be intrinsically interesting, but the people who delivered it to you were not, and therefore left you in the cold. That's what you're saying. Yeah, and now I actually watched Nova. The other time, when there was a real, the other day, when there was a Real Housewives marathon on. Do you know how amazing that is? Okay. That is not normal for me to do that. Well, is that because you've changed or because our delivery products have changed? No, because, because I've changed because you okay. are making science more approachable and interesting to me. Most of the time, it's not. And not to be mean, but when I'm at your office sometimes, some of your colleagues... Yeah, okay. Come by. Mm-hmm, they do. And yeah. with their Spock ears and their weirdness. Well, they, yeah, they don't always wear their Spock ears. That's for No, in, but I can see it. Uh, I can see past <laughs> their normal. You see the tan line around where the Spock ear goes. Yeah, and my point is is that is that scientists speak in a jargon sometimes that's like not approachable and almost elitist. Well, well, no, but to each other, you can't. What else no, can you expect? No, they do it to to regular people like me. Like it's like going to France. Like have you ever been to France? Yeah, yeah. Like I went to France, mm-hmm. and you try. I would try to understand them. Like merci beaucoup. No, it's merci. You're saying it wrong. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. You know what? How about I leave and I take my tourist money with me? You freak. That's what. I, that's what I'm. And it bothers me because I feel like my nieces. So the scientists are like the French. This is your. No. The scientists are like, right, yeah. I don't think that they're being. That that it, I just think science needs some sort of makeover and a publicist. Interesting, interesting. So you think the entire enterprise of science could benefit from like a marketing agency that yeah. worked with it at every turn? No, because I'm saying like I'm watching Nova the other day, and Nova's not a terribly sexy show. I mean, I, when you're on it, it is. But my point well, that's is so nice of you. <laughs> but my point is is that it it usually. It, there, it's no discovery show. It's no like there, there's no deadliest catch. There's no ghost hunter. Oh, okay. No, you so know, you need a no. It's like facts. Okay, but here's the problem: scientists are not trained to be storytellers. We're not trained to be funny. You're, that you're trained to be. We're not trained to be any of those things. We're trained to be inquisitive on the frontier of our understanding of the cosmos. That's all we're trying to do. So, so there are others that try to help us out. They're like journalists occasionally do this. They're science writers. We can't do it all. I, I think that's it's. Well, you know what? <laughs> if you want the public to give you money. So you can do your little experiments. Mm-hmm. Then you need to be approachable, and you need to be able to speak so that we can I, understand I, you. I wish I could argue against that. I can't. I'm just saying that that that. I'm just saying that we're not trained for that. Now, fortunately, we have some journalists who are very nice to scientists. One of whom is Stephen Colbert. You know, I've been on a show six times. Six times. You have? Yeah. And I've been on it none. Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> well, I, I don't. I don't get big-headed about it because I know he's actually had other scientists on. And so, in my last uh, appearance, I actually snared him for a few minutes afterwards, and I uh, interviewed him about his interest in science. And I'm interested in hearing this. Yeah, interview, let's check out. Let's check out a first clip of me interviewing Stephen Colbert on Star Talk Radio. Check it out. Right now, I'm with Stephen Colbert in his office. And I think he's out of character at the moment. We'll find out. We'll find out. Let's see how I feel about science. If I give it any credence at all, you know I'm not in character. So, Stephen, I, I, 
as of today, I've been on your show six times. Now, I might otherwise get a big head about that, but I've, I've seen other scientists on your show often. So I'm led to think that you actually have a soft spot for science. Am I, am I delusional there or what? I, I love science. My dad was an immunologist, and um, I, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm thrilled by science. Um, when I was a kid, um, it was education was valued in my house, and, and because I was the son of an academic and, and someone who was a medical researcher, um, science was number one. Um, th- though we're also a very devout family, too. Like, my mother is sort of mystical Catholic. My father's sort of intellectual Augustinian or, or you know, uh, uh, like uh, Aquinian uh, Catholic. But you understood the value of science in your life and in society. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yes, absolutely. My father, uh, no fan of uh, herbal medicine. No, repeatable results. Repeatable results. That was the mantra. So are you a science geek or just a science enthusiast? I'm a complete geek, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, give myself the um, honor of calling myself a science geek. Because I think you have to have more knowledge of science. I have appreciation for science. I really, I love hearing scientists talk. I love, I love, I love new discoveries. I love people who are full of questions at all times. I think you've transformed the landscape of, of, of comedic talk shows, or talk shows at all. The fact that you recognize scientists as having a role in the dialogue of how, what drives the nation. Well, science is hard. Let me put it that way. Unless you approach it, I think, from what I know, unless you approach it with joy and fascination and drive and all of those things um, hint to me that the things that scientists are trying to explain to us must be pretty interesting. And so I take them at their word and I have them on to try to explicate that, open the, the rosebud of their knowledge or their desire in front of us so that we can see the beauty of the rose ourselves, if you know what I mean. That's beautiful. Thank you. Well, I'm very beautiful, beautiful mind. What a beautiful mind. So uh, wasted. I, I don't. I don't want to put you on the spot, like asking yeah. you to pick your your favorite children. But among all of the the frontiers of science, which science, which branch of science excites you most? I, I'm it's a... astrophysics, Neil. <laughs> Stop fishing. It's astrophysics. It kind of is astrophysics. It kind of is astrophysics because it asks such enormous questions. You know, the 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 uh so you're not just saying that because i'm sitting here right next to you of course i am <laughs> but i also mean it um you know i i i love like uh first questions why are we here or rather how are we here and then you can obviously interpret your why but the how the how are we here question is is enormous and and fills us with awe and and that is you know, certainly a cosmologists and natural physicists approach those things, and that's, that's what we do. As we live that, we live that. Uh, mm-hmm. it, that that's there's a, it's a it's a high calling. Stephen Colbert, he's a cool dude, man. See, you need more Stephen Colberts in the science world. You really do because he is he's sexy and he's charming. But he was raised by a scientist, so he speaks your language. Yeah, so that's that's, that's my whole point. That's the science whole thing. needs a makeover. You need queer eye for the science guy. <laughs> Well, he also made a good point that he recognizes that there are these deep fundamental questions out there that we all have. You know, when I sit out under the stars, I am not alone. 
what, well, I'm not alone in my thoughts in when I sit thoughts. out under the stars. You're totally alone. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say? Where did I come from? Where does where does it where did it all begin? Where is it going? And but science is more than just the deep questions. It's also practical things like cell phones and the internet and. Well, what he said, excuse me, what he said that I really touched me, again, as someone who's a, not a science person, so to speak, mm-hmm. is repeatable results. Yes. Like, that- I think that's a very interesting thing to say to a little kid. You know, because I think I think a lot of people do look up and wonder where, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think even small children, my nieces ask those questions, but they're not given many different answers. They're given like a Christian response or not, not, well, you could be here because of this or you could be here because of that. Like, well, okay. So, but what happens when they become adults? Because I know that when you're a kid, everybody's curious and the recent survey asked adults, could they name some major scientific advances and people could hardly do it. Uh, Lynn, can you name three, three, three scientific, major scientific advances? Yes, I can. Well, all Um, right, go for it. I'm I'm counting. How about uh, the atom bomb? Okay. Well, I, I think of E equals MC squared, which led to the atom bomb. Okay, see, that's what I'm talking about, what? about talking. Like, <laughs> I'm just... Uh, Neil, Neil, <laughs> seriously? What? I'm not kidding. People listening, tell, they'll call in if you think that Neil is talking to... The, 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 the. What? Okay. No, E equals MC. I'm just... You, I, I just want to say that, yes, scientists invented the atom bomb, but the, the, the science... Of the atom bomb came many, many years, a whole generation before the atom bomb. Just wanted to make okay, that clear. Okay, but then, well, then make it clear. Okay. Don't be a snooty snoot, snoot by telling me, oh, when you say atom bomb, I think E equals MC squared. Okay, next, next. That's like advanced. going to the gym and I'm doing weights and you walk over to me and go, you know, you really should do more weights. You know what? Go to hell. I'm that, not doing anything now. <laughs> that was Lynn Coplitz on Star Talk. Did I, did I, am I in trouble because I said that curse One eight seven seven five Star Talk. So, Lynn, that was one. <laughs> that was one. Give me another. Give me another. Okay. I'm sorry. I bring it down to a really basic, too basic level. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, another uh, DNA. DNA, good, good. That was mid century, mid mid twentieth century. DNA understanding I mean, that's huge. The, huge, huge Nobel Prize and everything. Oh, I mean, yeah. people are being like all cold case files and things are being. <laughs> remember, all my knowledge of anything is from television. We must remember that. And, and DNA, some would say it got out of hand. I just I recently read that there's a company, RNL Bio, that will clone your pet for 150 grand. You you have a dog, I think, right? What do you really? own? Really, I do have a Yorkie. You have a Yorkie. Would you fork up one hundred and fifty? <laughs> and he bites me whenever I leave, and <laughs> he barks. He's abusive. I feel like my name is Luca. But people worry about the this gone awry. Just our understanding of our well, wait a genetic second, identity. If they clone him, will he be the same dog? No, he won't have the same life experience, but he'll be genetically identical. But his behavior might still be modified because he's lives. So he could be evil. <laughs> He would be genetically identical, and to the extent that genes affect behavior, that would show up in his genes. Now, can and, you do that behavior. to a baby? Can you have your baby cloned, like uh, in that movie? I don't see why not. I mean, that, that, there's nothing stopping that from being in our future. So DNA is a big one. Give me another wait, one. Wait, wait, wait. Um, one what? more question. Like what? that movie Gattaca? Like, could Gattaca. you make your baby the way you wanted it? Like you wanted a blue-eyed baby? Yeah, well, that one was – Gattaca was different. I remember Gattaca. That wasn't – they weren't creating any baby they wanted. They looked at all of the genetic variation within the couple. Oh, and right. they picked from that variation the baby that they wanted. And then they got rid of the ones that had, like, yeah, you if just you had asthma, you right. were like a janitor. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no asthma. Remember, right. though, you yeah. were like a janitor. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was, that was a spooky movie. I remember that. that Low yeah. budget, 
uh, sci-fi what horror movie. What I didn't movie, like really. about that is what's wrong with being a janitor? It's not really an awful. That's a, no, that's no, a yeah. good job. No, man. janitor's cool. Yeah, yeah people cool. leave you alone. You do your own thing. How about vaccines? And vaccines a good one. That's a good one. A whole lot of people alive today that would have been dead at any other generation were See, not for vaccines. And this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. And my sister gets upset when I talk to my nieces like this. But mm-hmm. this is the kind of thing where I'm like, you know, that flu you have. Yeah. If this was like a hundred years ago, you could have died from that. Yeah, that's right. That's my right. sister's like, don't tell them that. I'm like, why? They should know yeah, should what definitely science know that. plays in their life. That's they right. should know that, that penicillin was found on moldy bread. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, science. there could be some weevil in my, you know, <laughs> rice right now that could save, you know, be the cure for some strand of cancer. And that's why the frontier of science always looks scary to people, but down the line, people always find ways to bring it back home. And bring it into your living room. It's not only that, you know, with DNA and and, and genetic modifications of food. The whole the French getting back to the French. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. <laughs> that's your imitation of every French person. They talk about eating you. <laughs> I am French. You know what they call genetically modified food? They they call them Franken food. What they don't know Franken is that, food. what they don't know is most of the produce. What is, gen- what is genetically modified food? I don't even know what that is. Well, well, sort of any any food. Any food that is not drawn from nature, oh, that, like, like square we tomatoes, with. yeah, yeah, of course. I love that stuff. Fine, yeah, but so, so, but they don't. They want, they want to go back to nature. What they don't understand is that there's a lot of stuff in nature that'll kill you. There's a lot of stuff in nature that is not good for you, It'll make you sick, and this stuff protects the food. I mean, it's, it's science in the service of human interest. I'm but, so glad you said that because I have a girlfriend that always goes to holistic places for medicines, mm-hmm. and I said to her, and I'm like, you know what? You got to be careful what you mix with stuff because hemlock. And white oleander are natural. Natural, and they'll and meth- they'll kill they'll, you. They'll kill you. Oh yeah, yeah. Everything everything natural is not good. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? That's yeah. why I get Botox. Now here's what's interesting. <laughs> and that is good. Is that why you, your face hasn't budged all day today? Yeah, I got it. My birthday's next week, so I had to get it in time for it to kick in. <laughs> Lynn, we got to get back to this. Uh, Thanks, you're, Neil. You're, you're listening to Star Talk. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, and you've just been hearing Lynn Coplitz comment on her recent Botox. <laughs> this is Star Talk. Give us a call at one eight seven seven five Star Talk. We'll take a break and be right back. If you and your grandma don't speak the same language, it can be hard to express your love for her. McDonald's can help. To celebrate the launch of the new Grandma McFlurry, McDonald's is inviting fans to visit sweetconnections.ai, where you can record a video message for grandma that's translated into her native language. The tech will clone your voice, reanimate your face, and translate your words so that you look like you're speaking another language. Check out sweetconnections.ai, then get a Grandma McFlurry at McDonald's. Available for a limited time at participating McDonald's. Select languages available. Seasons change. Why not your gaming tech? Upgrade now during the Alienware Summer Sale event and save on select next-gen Alienware PCs and more. Pair your impressive skills with our advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop, powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Exceptional prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. 
Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Whether you're a space cadet or a rocket scientist, we want to hear from you. The phone lines are open. Call now. This is Star Talk. We're back. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, with my co host, Lynn Coplitz. You're listening to Star Talk. Give us a call at 1 877 5 Star Talk. If you have a comment about what science has meant in your life, is it or what excites you? Or what excites you? Is it making you suffer? Is it making you giving you dates? What's it doing for you? What science breakthroughs do you are do you appreciate? So, so Lynn, let me just ask you the the science. A lot of people don't like science because they're afraid that it's going to bring an end to the world, and they they're, they're, they're campaigning against it. And really, you know, is that really true? Yes, people don't like science. Yes. Yes, they say yeah. science is bad, and they want to go back to nature. And I've, you know, and and so there may be some. Uh, no, I understand. I think there might be science. No, I think there might be scientists that might regret some of the things that they've discovered. Don't you think? I mean, I think that, that's an excellent point. I don't. I wonder. I like wonder. The atom bomb lady. It, okay, at least might Yeah, she was part of that whole sort of atom bomb community. Yeah, that's true. Maybe she some might of look them back and be like, eh, that regret. was not a good one. I probably could have done something else. Yeah. No, I. I'd like to draw a line in the sand between the science behind the bomb and the fact that a nation decided it wanted to build a bomb. Because the scientists don't wield resources. They don't wield budget. A government wields budget. So the scientists are splitting the atom. Yeah, they're doing their job. They're doing what they're told they're, to do. They're, they're splitting the atom, exploring what the atom is doing. And then someone says, hey, and by scientists might have been among those, saying, hey, there's energy in here. We can tap it to kill people. And so then a nation... Uh, marshals resources to create the bomb. So I can tell you that most scientists are not involved in any nefarious applications of their discoveries. Most of them. And so they're not really, because th- it happens later by other people. Okay, again, nefarious, what? Oh, no, what, what is nefarious? I forgot what nefarious means. What, Did the, you really? Bad, I love that. No, no, it's a good word. I just uh, you nefarious. with your big Mensa word, n- no, no. and you <laughs> don't know what it means. Mensa word. I'm trying to get a good definition. Nefarious would be... Uh, for evil or uh, non... Uh, oh, so for evil. Yeah. Um, but here's... Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, Neil, is what are you... I don't understand what you're trying to say then. You're saying that scientists, it's not their responsibility. Because I, I think it's your responsibility to say no to something if you know that it's going to be used for bad. Yes, and so you can speak up against it, the politics of it, right. But the actual, when you're on the frontier of discovery, you're not always thinking, oh, this would make a bomb. No, you're saying, I can split the atom. That's kind of cool. And later on, you say, hey, they can make a bomb of this, and you can campaign against it. Einstein campaigned against the bomb. 
And it was his equations that enabled but it in the first place. But here is my whole point that I'm making on the show today about mm-hmm. getting excited about science. People, listen, call in if you agree with me. Mm-hmm. I am saying that the whole point is that people need to understand, you need to be able to talk to people so that they know what's going on. If uh, you don't do that, okay, if but you, do, as a scientist, don't make sure that American people know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Write your articles, right. communicate. And I don't mean in your nefarious... Here's what makes it harder. There are science fiction movies that take science to sort of evil, destructive, catastrophic limits. Like Terminator. That was like the machines taking over. And you know, and this, this has been going on from the beginning. You go back to like Frankenstein, the original story. I know, but Neil, that's my point. Is that, is that we, the people... Mm-hmm. I'm speaking for right now, mm-hmm. our information is misinformation because it's Hollywood information. A lot of Hollywood information, TV there information too. You're talking to a woman who gets a lot of her stuff from TV. But it can also stimulate it in another direction. For example, get, remember I had an interview with Stephen Colbert for this for this show, and he he commented on science fiction. Let's see I'd what like he, to know what he has to say. Let's see what he has I to like say him. about what role that played in his and life. And you're bugging me right now. <laughs> All right. Science fiction was incredibly important to me. You know, when I was 10, I remember I had this tremendous headache one day. And I was over at my brother Ed's house. I'm one of 11 kids, and, and he's the second oldest. 11? I'm one of 11 children, yes. And there were certain sciences that my parents didn't practice. And uh, I was on uh, lying on his bed at his house or in a guest bedroom at his house trying to sleep off this headache. And he's a huge science fiction fan, and he grew up in the 1950s and had all these great original pulp um, science fiction and some from the 60s and 70s too. And I, I picked one of the, the, the books off the shelf because it was right about head level, and it was The Long Arm of Gil Hamilton by, by Larry Niven. And I read it lying there after my headache was gone, and I was hooked. I read nothing but science fiction, and at the same time, Cosmos came out by Carl Sagan. And um, So had you not gotten this headache, you might not have stared that book down to write it. I'd never. I mean, no, no, I, to would read not, I would not have been captured by... Um, Kind of like the romance of science, if I might talk about the Dragons of Eden by, by Sagan. By Carl Sagan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, uh, Meditations on the Romance of Science. Isn't that what it's called? Yeah, that's the subtitle of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Dragons of Eden, Meditations on the Romance of Science, which I then... Oh, am- no, 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 no. That one. Oh, no, no. That's Broke His Brain? Broke His Brain, yes, oh, okay. yes. Yeah. Well, I forgot, well, anyway, I read both of them. I read a ton of things, including Cosmos and, and some, of his non- uh, some of his fiction. And- so I'm just playing into what is a pre-existing ripe condition for you oh gosh yes i mean i i love it i'm completely captivated i mean before uh, before i knew you i knew you because I, I i knew of you because i'm i'm a huge fan i'm a huge fan of the way you express um science i've showed your work to my kids um and uh uh, I, it's distressing that Americans don't know or care enough about science. Because when I was a child, science captivated young people because it had become it, – it was hot. It was adventurous. It was um, – The adventure is what I think people don't feel today. M- maybe not. I think I think it's because we were promised things like the wrist televisions and the jetpacks, and they didn't come fast And enough. the bubble cars and the – Right, yeah, and the bubble cars, all that, you know. Um, we were promised uh, uh, too much by the Hollywoodization of science. And see, now that's where I disagree with him. We were promised; we weren't promised too much. When you promise a lot, you give people a lot of hope. Yeah. And and we were promised a lot of cool things, and we have a lot of them. I was promised as a kid I would be able to talk to somebody via 
a viewer that I could look at them on like a telephone and be able to see them. And a I video, can. video, a video phone. phone. Yeah. That's what I'm. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Yeah. And that's what I. And and now I can. Mm-hmm. And I can. And then I, I don't have a full robot yet, but I can have a little robot that vacuums my house. Mm-hmm. The Rumba, the Rumba Some robot. Some of these uh-huh. other things like flying cars. We have monorails. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's basically a flying car, but actual flying cars. I mean, we don't have. I bet we have the technology to make that, but we're not responsible enough to do it. I don't think people should be allowed to have a flying car. Well, They're not, not doing well with street cars. <laughs> so, so, by the way, we have more, more Stephen Colbert to come later in the show. Uh, and if you have a comment or a question, just come right on in to Star Talks. You're listening to Star Talk Radio, one eight seven seven five star talk But, Lynn, I, I'm just, I, fine, fine. I, I, I even agree with you that a lot of the future we had imagined has come. However, uh-huh. I think people imagine an even greater future than we currently have. We, people thought we'd be living on Mars and be space traveling, going places actually, rather than driving around the block as we've been doing for 40 years. And so around the block is just orbit around the Earth. I know than, what you mean. I'm just, just <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think some of it got overpromised, and that may have frustrated some people. I just, I'm just saying. And what I want to know from you is, do you think that science, the delivery of science needs action figures? Or can people get excited just about the ideas? No, I said I think I think science needs a makeover. I think it needs to be sexy. I think it needs to speak to the, the people. The subjects or the people themselves. That's what I'm Every, trying to get at. Everything. 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 The people and the subjects. Shows like Nova are shows that people should be watching. Mm-hmm. More than something like Deadliest Catch. I say that now. I'll never be on the Discovery Channel. I don't care. <laughs> but it, I really believe that. But, you know, mm-hmm. Deadliest Catch, how many times can I, oh, look, they're going to try and catch the fish. And another one went over the side. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, big deal. Like, but, but I'm watching Nova and I'm learning things about the planets and stuff that I really needed to know. So here's what I'm saying is, is people like Al Gore mm-hmm. and you. Mm-hmm. You know how much I learned from like an inconvenient truth? It's good because he's he could speak directly to people. The mm-hmm. reason Barack Obama is our president is because he's a straight talker. I'm sorry, but I understood him. I could understand what he meant. Bush got done talking. I, I still didn't know what the man was trying to say. His own wife didn't understand what he was trying to say. My point is is that Barack Obama spe- is a straight shooter. When he speaks to me, it's a straight shooter. We need more of that in science. We need to be just spoken to, like, here's what's going to happen. Al Gore went out there and said, look, if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen, and uh, this is why it's important. All right, so it's one thing to, speak, to be a straight shooter, but do you also need a hero? I- I'm trying to understand the difference in, a, in the human emotion between – being in love with an idea, a scientific idea. You gave me your list of top things, the atom bomb and DNA and, and vaccines. You didn't list people there. I didn't ask you to list people, but you recognize those ideas as important. And I'm just wondering whether people need the action-adventure science hero to become scientists, or is the science no. ideas enough? No, the, no, the idea is so. enough. The idea is enough. I mean, people should call in and tell us what they think, too. I, but I, I, I think the idea is more than enough. I just think that scientists, and you keep avoiding what I am asking you and what I am saying, scientists themselves, you and your colleagues, mm-hmm. and you do your part, mm-hmm. okay? But mm-hmm. some of your colleagues don't. I'm saying it is your responsibility. You do the research. You need to share it. Suppose you can do research, but you're no good at sharing it, and you well, try you and then you fail. Well, you need to be taught. Take a p- speech class. Right. 
in between your astrophysicist class is what I'm saying. That's you. exactly what I'm saying. Okay. I'm saying it's my responsibility to learn science when I'm in high school. Right, then I, why don't science students take a speech class, I, I have a, a more, communication class? I, I, I have a more realistic idea. Did you know that Hollywood and the – did you know that in Hollywood and in uh, the – uh, what do they call them in Washington? The the National Academy of Sciences have gotten together in something called the Science Entertainment Exchange. Where in Hollywood, if you want to make a, if you have a script line, you can, at, you want to uh, base it on science. You on a Rolodex or scientists who can help you get your science right. Well, you should do that. That's absolutely true. Okay, so there's some effort. There's some effort to. So there's some effort to, to make, I, well, to make that's, that happen. But we should have been doing that all along. That's well, my whole point. Okay. That's all along. We should have been doing that. Movies, like the, this stupid thing where Bashemi is, is sitting on the comet. Yeah, okay. Drilling into it. <laughs> like, that shouldn't even be out there. That can't happen. I, I'm not a science person. I'm watching it going, this is ridiculous. Historically, scientists, it's not been part of the job to share their research with the public. Oh, my gosh, Neil, that is so not true. That is so not true. What? I'm because Galileo wrote in Italian rather than Latin. Yes, he did. In order to talk to people. Okay. Am I not right? Yes, you're right. Um, I stand corrected in his case. <laughs> no, you and my, my, whole, my whole point. This, okay. okay, let me boil down my point. Mm-hmm. My point. Then we got to go to a break. Is, okay, fine. It bugs me that we spend. I am a Christian person who is very spiritual. Mm hmm. But I ask myself, what would Jesus do? But I think that we should also say, what would Newton do? <laughs> right. What would what? Well, yeah. I think my 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 little dorky niece should know that Einstein was kind of dorky. I think that's important, and I think when you start teaching kids stuff like that, they get excited about that. And children are our future. And rather than and hide that's it how from you them, start you start by telling them, you know what, you doodle. We think that's weird and annoying, but. Darwin doodled, and that's how he got the idea for evolution. He made, didn't he draw beaks? Oh, Darwin, yeah. He went to like the Galapagos Island and, and studied finch beaks. That, and he that, just kept doodling finch beaks. That, that, that lit his fuse and... Light a fuse, Neil. Past that's tense. what I'm saying. Right, take a break on light a fuse. <laughs> You're listening to Star Talk. We're going to take a break and more of our interview with Stephen Colbert and coming up. And call us. Light a fuse. Yeah, call us. Light a fuse. We'll see you in a moment. The future of space and the secrets of our planet revealed. This is Star Talk. We're back at Star Talk. Neil deGrasse Tyson with you and my co-host Lynn Coplitz, professional comedian and actress. Lynn, Lynn, you called me out right before the break. <laughs> You're right. Sorry. Galileo, one of the most famous scientists there ever was there ever was, took time out of his day to figure out how to talk to the masses and tell them what his ideas were that transformed the world. And he wrote in Italian. So you remember, we had that, we had that on a previous show. So See, I listened. You, you got through to me, you, like and you lit a fuse. You got me excited. You made Galileo sexy. You brought Excellent. sexy back. And there are other, I think there are other sexy characters back there. I mean, I think Magellan was pretty cool for going around the world, you know, not knowing that if he's going to make it or where he's going. Sexy and courageous. I mean, that's the thing. Is like I like, like you're talking to a kid, and I mm-hmm. say we start with kids. Mm-hmm. And you had a kid who needs to be courageous about something. You mm-hmm. say, look at Magellan. Look at Christopher Columbus. People were telling them not to do these things. Right. Like, and people were saying, it's flat, it's flat, don't go. <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah, everybody had somebody die. Everybody had somebody telling them not to do it. You know, the Wright brothers, Charles Lindbergh, everybody, everybody. The, you know, people going to the bottom of the ocean, going up into space. That is definitely the case. But so we have the history of discoverers, adventurers, people with flames lit under them. But how do we have future discoverers and adventurers if we don't excite them? 
them. If we don't, I'm just glad we got Bill Nye on our speed dial here. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of exciting, <laughs> uh, Bill Nye. We missed him at the top of the hour. We're going to bring him in right now for the Nye minute. See what he Where says was he? about the love of science. Where's Bill Nye, is he on the sun. <laughs> Let's He's get at him. The beach. Bill Nye, the science guy. Hey, hey, Bill Nye, the science guy here. This week is the anniversary of landing on the moon. Big, important, historic things. But along with all you might hear about the moon right now, keep looking up and to the future. We continue to explore Mars, so different and so much like our world. Except for toddlers and babies, Star Talk listeners like you were alive when it was discovered that, oh yes, there was a Big Bang. But not only that, the bang is bigger than anyone suspected. The universe isn't just expanding, it's accelerating. Darwin and Wallace made their discoveries without even knowing what deoxyribonucleic acid DNA is, let alone what it does. Now we can find the sequence of just about any organism you can shake a precisely buffered enzyme at. These discoveries are part of what I like to call the PB&J, the passion, beauty, and joy of science. This is what Star Trek is for, to celebrate the human need to explore, to discover, to know as best we can our place in the universe, our place among the stars. Well, here's hoping along with the moon this week, you think about the PB&J. J. I get a fly, Bill Nye, the science guy. B B and J. Oh, that Bill Nye. <laughs> what I a think guy. anyone under ten is like peanut butter and jelly. And the Bill Nye, it's not only that. Passion, beauty, and joy. I love that though, but that's you know what? I, I really love that. You'd think I would make fun of that, but I think that's pretty awesome what he just said. Because that's what I am saying. Okay, well how about this? So it's one so night one way to get people excited is to try to get scientists to get you sort of jazzed about it. But their entertainers I think can play their role as well. In in my time with Steve, with Stephen Colbert, we chatted <laughs> <Good> re- segue. <laughs> no, we did. We chatted about he he marshaled the Colbert Nation, his supporters, his fan base, yeah. to to take action to try to influence what NASA was going to do with their next voyage to the space station. I mean, this is remarkable that that he would value it enough to then marshal his people, his peeps, to do this. But that yeah, and the, I want to hear about that because that's my whole point: is that it is our responsibility once you know something and you have a voice like we do right now, mm-hmm. to make that voice known and to say to people, this is really important. Well, let's go. Let's check out, uh, picking up on my interview with Stephen Colbert in his office. You're listening to Star Talk, one eight seven seven five star talk Here we go. On my official bio for years, I, I wrote that my birthday was the date of the moon landing, just to see if anybody would ask me and see if somebody would like catch what day I was using. Um, which is, the, it's, is it 24th? That's a geek thing to do. 24th of July? No, tw- 20th of July. 20th of July? I, anyway, I put down 20th of July. As That's a geek thing to do. Oh, you, you, I'm a total Card-carrying. Okay. Card-carrying geek. I, I don't remember, um, I don't remember Apollo 11, uh, even though my mother swears, I was, I guess I was five. My mother swears that, no, you were up like every other child in the world, and you were in front of the TV, but I, I don't remember it. My first remembrance of space was the 1970 eclipse. That eclipse, yeah. That, there, there's a couple of big eclipses then, and the '71. That's the I think that's the Carly Simon eclipse. Which one? The, oh, the, total eclipse, eclipse of the sun. <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, uh, yeah. Um, went to Nova Scotia, right? Exactly, right. That one went up yeah. to New England, and yeah. but through the middle of it would have gone up right. It would have been where you lived, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I think my mother thought that when I stepped outside, my eyes would burst into flame inside my head. I think I was allowed out for like a second or something like that. Um, I, I, I I remember the launches. I remember I remember. Um, the president welcoming people back. I, I ate space food sticks, you know, from Pillsbury, I think, or Carnation. I forgot who made them. And um, I had little moon modules 
Um, I was I was thrilled. Uh, I remember we were we were allowed the very first shuttle uh, when the Enterprise came off the back of the. The Enterprise was a non-orbiting shuttle. It was just to test the aerodynamics. Exactly. of Exactly, and yeah. so uh, NASA threw a bone to the geek, the, the Star Trek fans, and called it Enterprise. We were all impressed by how much you were able to mobilize the Colbert Nation to vote on your behalf for the space station. <laughs> and I looked up the numbers. You had five times the number of votes than the next highest vote-getting name for the space station module. So this, this, is, this is impressive. It's a little scary, actually. Well, all I can say is whatever the next one was like, harmony or cooperation or something like that they need to get a, a legion of rabid fans they need a they need a, a a robot army to attack people like i have but did that response surprise you or did you because no, they could follow I'm not i am i am i have tremendous faith in the nation and i'm like i was surprised in 2006 when we got um uh, 15 million votes for the bridge over uh the danube in hungary to be named after me when there are only 10 million people in Hungary, that surprised me a little bit. <laughs> okay. Once once we achieved that, I thought, like, I better be careful where I point this. So it also means you, you, can, you have the power to affect change in society that others wouldn't. So you could use sort of the humanitarian aspect of yourself to, to do that one day, perhaps. If my character weren't hideously selfish, that would work out. But unfortunately, everything is just related to, he's the most insecure person. Let me show what I just got. And I'm sure this will play beautifully on the radio. But this is the patch. I'm holding the patch that is actually going to be put on the, um, what's called the Colbert, the Combined Operational Load-Bearing External Resistance Treadmill. Which is so this is the treadmill that got named after you as a consolation for right. NASA reneg- lying to me after NASA lied to me in America and broke their own rules so much for scientists they named the, a new treadmill after me which is being launched in August and I hope to go down there for launch but I just looked at this treadmill and it's a, it's a little cartoon of me and my head on top of the cartoon running on a treadmill and around it has my name as all things must for my character and I saw this today and I thought my goodness is he insecure does he need reaffirmation at all times and that's why he'll never achieve anything good because it always has to be about him so going forward you're not without power of influence of people's feelings and moods i am enormously powerful neil <laughs> no your character is yeah, that's true that's true i forgot Wake up. The your... exactly. <laughs> you're the geek your character's got the power exactly uh, so we're what do you think you can do going forward? We all know what the rest of us can do, but you have a unique platform. I actually, I, I love having scientists on, and um, if I can have them on and and add comedy to the fascination of their subject, then well, that's that's just a honey ball that might make people swallow what I think is the real treat, which is excitement and engagement um, by questioning the world around you because, um, oh, the world is so full of a number of things. I think we should all be as happy as kings. And all you have to do is look for the question that you want to ask about the natural world around you. And, um, well, then you, you are given the gift of a lifetime of entertainment and enjoyment just by being alive. Stephen Colbert, thanks for being on Star Talk. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> Thank you.
I adore him. I adore him because he he just capsulized what I'm saying this whole show. I mean, it sounds it, like you have a crush on him. No, I, I do have a crush on him, but I also have a crush on, on what he's saying because I think I don't have children. I have nieces and, and a couple of nephews I don't like too much. But, and a dog. Yeah. But yeah, my, my dog. But when I was a kid, do you know, I vividly remember being fascinated with sea monkeys. Really? Now I know that they're brine shrimp. But... At the time, I didn't. You know, on the box, they, you grew them into people. And that's science. You know, that was that, that I wanted to grow my own little people. I wanted to know how you did that. And, and there was a wonder and an excitement when you're a child. And as you get older, it wears off. That wonder and excitement for science can wear off. Yeah, somebody's got to keep you, the flame lit. If you don't yeah. have a father who's a scientist, mm-hmm. like he did, like you, you know, like you have in your, like your children have, then... It, it it can wear off, and I'm saying it's important to nurture that ex- enthusiasm in, in children so that it keeps going. Well, I th- I have I have a slightly different view. I think it's important to nurture that in adults where it's all worn out because kids. It's but it there. won't be worn out anymore. Right. My point okay. is, is keep it going. Yeah, and ignite it in adults. Right. Right. And then nurture it in children and say things like repeatable results. Like I think that's awesome. I'm going to say that all the time. We've got a caller who has a comment. I think about. Uh, what scientists look like to others. Is that, is that Lynn calling from Boston? Oh, another Lynn. Lynn, you're not the only Lynn in the universe. This is too many <laughs> Lynns for you to handle. Hello, Lynn. Lynn, are you there? You're live on Star Talk. Did we lose Lynn? I think we lost Lynn. We yeah. lost Lynn. <laughs> Lucky for you, you had a backup. <laughs> I'll go to my backup Lynn. You have another Lynn. <laughs> you cloned me. <laughs> so, so, Lynn, let me ask you, what... what so... You, it all excites you, and it all excites Stephen Colbert. So, what, so what's the problem here is we're missing a link between the, the sort of the majesty of that frontier and the emotions of the public. And your solution was make it a, a, a marketing campaign. Uh, no, my solution is yes. Why not? Do that. Do public service announcements where you have sexy people getting out there saying, why are we here? We have a little bit of that because there's te- hit TV shows like CSI that have ke- sexy chemists. But why not do public service announcements? Why are we here? I, why do we dream? And then have a scientist like yourself come uh, out and that, give the answer. Uh, it's a brilliant idea. I'll, I'll, bring it, I'll, I'll raise it with the authorities. We do things where we let children. Um, like it's, When I was a kid, a science fair was an awesome thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So why don't we do you know more of that? Why don't we do national science fairs and and make big things? Okay, so I think the problem is science fairs are only right now attracting the people who already know they're interested in science, and they're not igniting flames within those who never knew any different. Right, we have America's Got Talent. I say national science fair. Make that a make that a prime time hit. A new prime time TV show. Everyone comes on with their science with their new science invention. And we get Simon to Simon to judge them. Uh, You and I will judge it. All right, Lynn, we're going to go to break. This, uh, we'll be right back with Star Talk. If you have something to say to us, tell us at one eight seven seven five star talk You got something to say to us? <laughs> we're also online at StarTalkRadio.net. See you in a moment. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are in France, which means Tubi is more popular than cigarettes for breakfast. It's more popular than considering iced coffee a total abomination. More popular than loving political revolutions. More popular than mer and mer somehow being different words. Tubi, it's more popular than being French. See you in there. Guess who's a Verizon Fios customer? 
Okay, it's me. You got me. That's right. And I love Verizon Fios because I love having a fiber optic connection come directly into my home. That's right. It doesn't stop at the street and then regular cable comes in. No, it comes directly into my home. And that gives me the best viewing experience that I could ever have. And now for a limited time, you can stream what you love for less with Verizon. Get one year of Peacock Premium for just $19.99. That's a savings of over 60%. Save on all your favorite shows and movies, from Traders to Love Island to Trolls Band Together to Yellowstone. Start saving on the subscription you love at verizon.com slash plus play. Available through Verizon Plus Play. New Peacock subscriptions only. After one-year promotional period, subscription auto-renews at then-current annual price plus tax unless you cancel. $59.99 until July 17th, 2024. As of July 18th, 2024, the price will increase to $79.99. Additional terms apply. See verizon.com slash plus play for more details. Every memorable gift starts with a wondrous story. Giving a gift with energy helps it last just that bit longer. So imagine a story from the high seas where Jefferson's ocean bourbon and rye whiskies are aged and transformed by unpredictable and unrelenting elements. They'll taste a journey in every sip, darkened by pounding waves, kissed by ocean breezes and caramelised by equatorial heat. Give the gift of adventure. Give Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon and Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon Rye. Please, sip responsibly. Copyright 2023, Jefferson's Bourbon Company, Crestwood, Kentucky. Bringing space and science down to earth. You're listening to Star Talk. We're back to Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, astrophysicist, with my co host, comedian and actress, Lynn Coplitz. Lynn, Hello. How, how are you, Lynn? I'm fine, Neil. How are you? Uh, call us at 1 875 Star Talk. You have a question about the role of science in your life. Has it transformed you or just messed you up? <laughs> Which is, I think we got. Alright, well, no, we got. I think we got Nick in L.A. Is that you, Nick? Yeah, hi, Nick. Welcome to nice nice talking to you. Welcome to Star Talk. What do you got for us? Hi, Nick. Uh, Well, I loved science ever since I was in high school, and I took science for the four years that I was there. What got you, Nick? What first got you? What got me? (laughs) What's the first thing that excited you about science? Squared. E equals mc squared. What do you know? Squared and the relativity. Uh, because Einstein has always been fascinating to me, and when they were going to select him for the Time magazine, the best 20th century man, yeah. I said they're going to pick Einstein, and they did. And they did. Yeah. They did. And I love that. So that's I've always awesome. been fascinated with science. That's cool. She does have goosebumps. I'm looking at them on her no, arm. No, I think yeah. that's, that's really cool. Okay, yeah, so it, what was your question? I'm sorry for No, no, he just, he, I think he's just sharing the story with us, right? Yeah, I just wanted to share the story, and I, and I love listening to uh, Neil, and I enjoy his shows on Nova, and I'm so glad that you're on on Sundays. 
and I'm listening to you right now. Nick, you don't like me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you like listening to Neil? I, I, well, I you, you got like her started. You. I don't know you. <laughs> well, you got to start so listening not, to this show. You're, 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 you're still learning about science. I'm at the dinner party, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. No, I'm loving both of you in the Thank you, sir. And, oh, and thank you so much for your, your warm, honest response. All right, I think uh, a quick question back to you, Nick. So you were not interested as a little kid, but in high school you're kind of older by then, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it took I, a little, lo- science, few more years for you. Did you have a yeah, cool science I, I loved teacher? I taking it every, every, every semester that I had it, and I just kind of followed it all along, and I read some of Einstein's works, and and I got fascinated. Plus, relativity is freaky, right? I mean, it's freaky it stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nick, did you have a cool science teacher? Because I was saying to to Neil, have you been listening to the show today? I was saying that that you know, if you don't have a cool science teacher, then you're not ignited by. Science. You know that? Well, you know what? I I didn't. Really? But somehow I just got fascinated with it. Okay, it so something hit interest. you. Something hit yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. It just caught my interest. I've been staying with it ever since. I've been following you all along. I love the Carl Sagan series, and now I get to watch Neil, and, and I get to learn all about black holes and everything. We got a science junkie on the line thank here. Thank you right. so much. Please, right, please, Nick, please listen Nick, to thanks. us again next Sunday, Nick. Yeah, all right, Nick. Thank you. Thanks for calling in. We've got another caller. I think it's uh, Lynn from Boston. Is that you on the line? Oh, Lynn. she's back. Hi, Lynn. <laughs> Yeah, Lynn, is that you on the line? You're live on Star Talk. Hey, Lynn, are you on the speakerphone and are you drunk? <laughs> okay, well. If she's drunk. Well, that's good. We're re- reaching my people. <laughs> Finally, right. my people are tuning in. I don't know how many how many chances we'll give Lynn. Uh, right, uh, let's go to. Uh, let's. This is Star Talk. We're talking about science in your life. Let's go to Gary in L.A. Uh, Gary, you there? I am. Hi, guys. Hi, you're live Hi, on Gary. Star Show. Live on Star Talk. You. Um, you've been discussing the developments in science. I'm just wondering what is about to come for us now. Is it genetics? Is it engineering? What's the next big thing? science that's going to deliver average guys like me. Excellent. I love your accent. What is the next big thing, man? <laughs> okay, what, it's not an L.A. accent. Gary, where's that accent from? It is from the U.K. The but, U.K. Uh, I'm over in Los Angeles, and uh, as I say, I really enjoy the show. See, it's the Americans all nothing je- like it on radio. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Americans are jealous of the accents of the U.K. So what, the next, okay. so science, of course, is, is many, many dimensions there. So I think in... Uh, Answer his question, Neil. What is the next best, best thing? Okay, I'm a little biased because I'm an astrophysicist, but I'm, I'm looking for life in the universe. If we can find life other than life on Earth, that would be extraordinary, not only in astrophysics, but in biology. Life that has its identity coded in some way other than DNA, that'd be really, really cool to know how nature figured out how to do that. That's why I'm going to run through the list real quick. We don't know Let what dark matter Gary. is. Gary, yeah. what, would be, excuse me, what, what would be the cool thing for you? What would you like to have discovered? I think I agree with Neil. To find something outside of our own planet that, that actually is living would, would really kind of stop that lonely feeling that we seem <laughs> to have floating around on this rock. But I, I'm just oh, wondering. Oh, Gary wants a little alien friend. <laughs> yeah, maybe I just you know, I'm um, not an alien I friend. Wonder, is it something? Is it a genetical development? Is it something that crosses over with engineering? Do we get this sort of yeah, Terminator I'll, freak show happening? Ooh, Terminator freak show, the, the intersection of uh, genetic engineering and machine technology and computers. That's an interesting mm-hmm. one. Science fiction writers, of course, you know, take that to the future and they have them come back and kill us all. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, that, that's like technology gone awry. But, yeah. but but going back quickly to science, so uh, we don't know what dark matter is. We don't know what dark energy is. We don't know how to go from inanimate molecules to animate life molecules. We just don't. So there's huge frontiers that I think will happen in our lifetime. Plus, I want to go to Mars, and I, I want to try to make that happen. I want to try to fit in a couple more callers before we head out, but thank you very much. Thank you, Gary. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Let's go to Perry in Pasadena. Gary wants an friend. <laughs> Perry in Pasadena, are you there? Yes, Terry. Oh, yes, how are you doing? Terry. Terry, uh, hello. Uh, first of all, Neil, I really like the way you present what you really believe in. Oh, thank I you. I grew up, uh, well, in the, I was in high school in the early 60s in social studies. You guys mentioned this earlier. I was so excited I was on fire for what we were going to be doing, and so much of it didn't happen. Oh, so you're one of the disappointed ones. Do you think it's possible that profit has anything to do with it? If there's not enough profit in it, they're not going to do it. You know, I, I, I have. Think to, that's a great. Question. I don't want to agree with that, but I think I, you know, behind closed doors, I have to yeah. agree with you. The science that gets done, that gets the best funding, is what somebody can make a buck off of. So it tends but, to but be then, commercial. Then what product. bothers me, and tell me if this bothers you too, you guys too, is that. Are we ever going to find a cure for cancer? So much money goes into it. Yeah, well, it, it almost seems like they need us not to find a cure, yeah. so they can keep making that money. Just a minute ago, Ooh, right? So, now I have a theory about something here. Oh, well, just say it quick because say it quick because we're running short okay. on time. Go. If if everybody did the very best they can, every moment made the very best best product that they can, wouldn't you think we would have so much more and better than what we have now if they really put everything into it? Yeah, I have to. I have to agree with that. If everyone were fully engaged in all what they can do best, inventing things, there'd, there'd be a completely transformed world. It would be a transformed world, that it, but it wouldn't be a capitalist society. The whole point. Is, I mean, they have they, yeah. they have invented pantyhose that don't run, but they can't sell them because no one would buy them. You'd <laughs> buy one pair, and that'd be it. Lynn, tell me real quick, what's your favorite? What do you want to have happen in science, real quick? Uh, from being a kid, what I always yeah, wanted. Real I, quick. I wanted. Uh, I wanted Gilligan's Island. I wanted the food on Gilligan's Island. The giant, the giant carrot. That I remember made you, the like, giant carrot. Better. I remember. And the the spinach that made everyone stronger. You know what I wanted? I wanted my own private genie, like in I Dream a Genie. You and every <laughs> other guy. You wanted a, a, a blonde woman stuck in a bottle. <laughs> In a midriff, with a midriff. We gotta go. You've been listening to Star Talk Radio. I can't believe it. Funded by the National Science Foundation. We'll see you next week when we'll celebrate the the 40th anniversary of the Apollo landing. That's Star Talk. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.